Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is Chapter 10 of the Book of Hebrews, a new weekly podcast series. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma for over 40 years, and I love the way God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. Chapter 10's theme is Practical Ways to Live the Christian Life. You could call it, How Now Shall I Live? Practical ways don't come up until about verse 19, though. So we'll start at verse 1 and finish up the theme of Jesus being the author of a better covenant. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now, That phrase from verse 4 is extremely important, as the Jews were so dependent on the idea that these sacrifices were actually covering their sins, rather than understanding that it was a symbol of the blood of Christ to come, they needed to know that what really cleaned them was the sacrifice Jesus made. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, And now the writer is getting ready to quote from Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. You can see that this is a prophecy about Jesus being given a fleshly body and deciding with his will, to do what the Lord would have him to do. Verse 8, first he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will, We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That verse 10 pretty much sums up Christian doctrine. Once again, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, did you catch that wonderful phrase? Offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now he's getting ready to quote from Jeremiah 31, verses 33 and 4. Here we are in verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, quote, 
again from Jeremiah, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. We talked about this in other chapters before this. The Ten Commandments used to be written on stone and then they were written on papyrus or vellum and rolled up into scrolls that were stored in the synagogue and read on the Sabbath day. But the Lord is saying that eventually there will be a heart transformation so that God's law is on their minds. Verse 17, then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So those are the first 18 verses of Hebrews 10. And now we come to this how to live a practical Christian life, beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So in verse 22, we just read the first of the important five things, and we'll go over them all again shortly. But that first one was, let us draw near to God. Now we're in verse 23 for the second of the five. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And, and here comes number three, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Verse 25 has the fourth of the five ways to live a practical Christian life. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Some say that the Old Testament is a picture of God's judgment and the New Testament is a picture of His mercy and grace, but really the truth is that you can find both aspects of His nature in both places and this verse 27 that I just read is a good example of that, where there is really a very clear warning that there are consequences for rebellion and refusing to turn from wrong. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Then verse 29, how much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, and now he's getting ready to quote Deuteronomy 32, 35, and 6, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days 
after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. And now we come to the fifth of those five ways to live the Christian life, verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. Now he's quoting from Habakkuk 2, 3, and 4. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. That is Hebrews chapter 10. So now let's have a look again at those five things, beginning in verse 19, that tell us how really to live the Christian life. That first one was draw near to God. How do you draw near to someone? Well, you actively seek them out. You get alone with them. You put your phone away. You look them in the eye. You focus on what they are saying. You put a date on the calendar and you reach out and touch. It's really very simple. God wants people to take a step toward Him. He is available to be contacted any time of the day or night through prayer. So if you want to be close to Him, you can be. The second of those five things was hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for He who promised is faithful. This is especially meaningful if you're persecuted in China or North Korea or Saudi Arabia. Tell the people in the African nation of Eritrea who are in prison for the cause of Christ to hold unswervingly to the hope they profess. But we need to hear it too. Are you worried about the economy? Hold to your hope in Christ. Is your faith challenged by religious cynics on a science show? or in a college classroom, hold to your faith in Christ. Are you being razzed at work for being too conservative? Hold to your faith in Christ. Then the third of those five things about how we should live the Christian life is consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So we lead by example. We find ways to bless others. Send a card or an email or make a call. Buy a necessity for someone in need. When they thank you, say, you can pay me back by going and doing something good for someone else when you have the chance. Do something good and then ask them to pass it on. What are you doing to encourage your family, your siblings, or your kids or your grandkids? Maybe you ought to get more involved in your kid's school or run for local office or volunteer at the local hospital or library or take in a foster child or sign up to be a volunteer grandparent or work on your neighborhood association committee. Be the salt and light of the world that you were called to be. Spur others on to do the right thing too. 
you have more influence than you think. The fourth of the five ways that we can live the Christian life, according to Hebrews chapter 10, is let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting together. During this sad time of the COVID-19 epidemic, we cannot always meet together in person. Things have changed drastically in that regard. But we can still connect with them through Zoom and FaceTime and phone calls and emails. We can plan to pray together. We can listen to the word together. You could even write someone an old-fashioned card. I am encouraged by the faithfulness of others. When people give up or peter out or lose interest or grow lukewarm, I am discouraged and disappointed. God forbid that my bad example would make someone else go off in the ditch. So is your small group the last thing on your list? Or in times when you can, do you come to Sunday school or church if there's absolutely nothing else going on? Why not move these things up on your list of priorities? Iron sharpens iron. And the last of those five things is don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. Persevering means not just starting, but finishing. Carrying it through when you're tired, when you don't feel like it, when you don't want to, when you think you can't, then you simply decide minute by minute to keep going and move forward. So the conclusion that we can reach from Hebrews 10 is that in recognition for what Christ has done for us, we can live the Christian life in full faith, doing what is right. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, pass it along. 